1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and member FDIC. Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Western demands. Now this affects Iris. Um,
0: Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take drugs! Or Whatever Movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host Iris and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley. Today we're talking a movie from 2011, Moneyball.
1: Moneyball. Not exactly an inspiring title.
0: But an inspiring movie.
1: I think so. And that's the weird disconnect.
0: Isn't the title Moneyball based on a real book that Jonah Hill's strategy was based on? Correct. The mathematician guy who didn't even like know baseball or, or wasn't even like a fan but was purely approaching it from a mathematical perspective. I think that book was called Moneyball. Right on. Did Billy Bean pen his own story or did somebody write it about him?
1: I think somebody wrote it about him. I think he's too busy chasing the last game of the season still.
0: Kind of a sad coda.
1: Yeah. Hard not to feel bad for Billy Bean.
0: Yeah, except it's almost impossible to feel bad for Brad Pitt. This, by the way, is the mouthiest, (laughs) throwing stuffiest Brad Pitt movie ever.
1: Explain, what do you mean by mouthiest Brad Pitt, pray tell?
0: Well, (laughs) as mentioned in our Ad Astra review, Brad Pitt, as an actor, does not know what to do with his mouth.
1: He eats stuff.
0: Well, he eats a lot of stuff in this movie, but he's got a lot of mouth business, like the way he like plows that Twinkie Plow. and it's like constantly, <laughs> constantly like chewing on the chewing. I'm assuming chewing tobacco and eating and spitting out popcorn and like biting his lip like he bites his lip in the, in the very first scene in the negotiation with negotiations with Mark. And I'm like, here we go.
1: <laughs> he's doing the mouth thing.
0: He's got a lot of business with the mouth in this movie. I
1: feel like this was a strangely propelling, action-oriented movie where they've always got things going on and their minds are working, but the more contemplative version of this movie is just his Billy Bean and Philip Seymour Hoffman staring at each other, chewing stuff, (laughs) and like Jonah Hill standing between them, like looking back and forth at them. And Philip Seymour Hoffman's like, I could do this all day, Billy.
0: I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman can do this role all day. Or at least you know he could. Yeah,
1: it's because he was playing Philip Seymour Hoffman.
0: (laughs) Yeah, if Philip Seymour Hoffman was the coach, yeah, the coach of a baseball team, this is exactly how he would do it. Yep, all (laughs) defiantly and like obviously and measuredly.
1: We love Philip Seymour Hoffman miss him it's just he's so good and didn't have to put forth i don't i don't think he's stretched in this role he just did what he does best
0: he was stretching out that uniform
1: yeah but i mean that's baseball
0: as a baseball coach who spends a good majority of his time outdoors shouldn't they have like tanned up his shaved head a little bit
1: no way man this was the bleakest insidest offices under the stadium zero sunlight movie ever like, when you think about it, this was all in, like, back hallways. It's all fluorescent lighting. It looks pretty grim. And then, of course, when they're outside, he's got his hat on all the time. But i think pretty sure that there was a serious vitamin D deficiency happening for most of these dudes.
0: <laughs> to quote Billy Bean, those places were kind of dumps. And it's funny to think of how... Glamorous a baseball field or stadium, maybe. I mean, they're all, I guess they're all kind of dumpy, but those back offices are just like, they're all beaten up and small and underground y and cubicle y.
1: Yeah, man. I haven't seen it, but I'm guessing there's not a lot of magic underground and behind the scenes at Disneyland either. This is kind of how I picture it. Right. Like, if you get all rowdy and get thrown in Disneyland jail, I'm pretty sure it's just <laughs> cinder block walls and fluorescent lighting.
0: But Philip Seymour Hoffman, his. Well, first of all, they spent an hour and a half of this movie in utter despair, and then another half hour climbing out of a hole. And then when they get to game 20, it's at night. So two hours in, I'm like, wait, we're seeing our first baseball game, like (laughs) play by play, and it's at night. It was so weird. I mean, story-wise, it all makes sense, but it's weird how much of this movie has nothing to do with playing baseball.
1: It's a baseball movie, but for baseball fans, I'm not sure. Because I'm no devoted baseball fan. I can watch baseball, sure, but I don't follow it at all. And so I thought this movie wasn't necessarily for me. It ends up being one of my favorite Brad Pitt movies in a very low-key offices social network kind of setting that you wouldn't expect. And Aaron Sorkin had his hand in it. He did a rewrite of the screenplay, but he insisted that Steve Zalian get the same amount of credit that they be co-writers because he wouldn't want his polish to stand for this movie given the, um, the tremendous amount of work that Steve Zalian did before he came along and gave it a little bit of pep.
0: Okay, so Sorkin came in and did a cleanup pass, but the heavy lift was done by Steve Zalian? Yep. And Steve Zalian is no novice to screenwriting. I mean, Schindler's List, big movies. Yeah, no slouch. So why did they bring in Aaron Sorkin to close the deal?
1: It's got a little bit of that magic in that a lot of it comes from the sharp, witty banter, and and the silences in between, and just Billy and what's the guy? What's 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 his name? Jonah Hill's name?
0: I don't give a crap about what his name is.
1: It's actually not his real name. It's not not Peter okay. Brand. Right, Peter. But, I was <laughs> quoting Billy Bean. Oh, sorry. <laughs>
0: He just thought I was being all mean.
1: So they have that sharp, witty dialogue. It's not overused here, but I also think that the silences between Billy and Peter, the Jonah Hill character, are really effective. How they stage that phone call, those phone calls with the trades, how the timing has to be perfect, how the wording has to be perfect, and he just hooks them and reels them. I think crunching numbers can be a little bit dry, so they need to punch it up a little bit.
0: Right, and not quite so flashily as they did in the big short with all the cutaways and funky edits and breaking the fourth wall and the random archival and all that kind of stuff. Like, I love the big short, but here they really didn't do anything flashy.
1: It's because you can't. You flash to a different office under the thing. All the lighting is the same. You can't break the fourth wall because the fourth wall is cinder block and it's load-bearing. And they're all wearing uh, the same clothes all the time. Like how many different golf shirts can you flash to?
0: I mean, could they have flashed to a dog wearing sunglasses on an inner tube in a pool? I suppose so. They could have, but they didn't. They're not pulling punches. It's pretty straightforward. And yet it's pretty engaging. So confession, I missed Moneyball in 2011. Writing it off on the basis that it was about baseball. And I'm a little embarrassed to say that, but it's kind of cool because I'm approaching Moneyball from a first impression for the first time and I'm looking back at how weird that was.
1: Um, I've never seen Field of Dreams in full disclosure. Come at me, bro. Wow. I think this was a novel approach to a sports movie that, despite the potential to be kind of dry and boring and and, uh, analytical, was much more moving than I expected. And, of course, the underdog trope has been done to death, but they're still good when they're done right. And you really root for the underdog and that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to come from behind and totally kill it and then win the world series and be a championship team for all time. Sometimes it's just that miracle game. Sometimes it's that miracle season and the the that one shining moment in a team's history. It's the same thing with movies. Really, you're coming down to people spending money because they want to be enthused, energized, motivated. They wanna be touched, which I thought, and you thought probably is not what Moneyball was going to be effective at doing. And I was wrong, and you were wrong. I mean, consider how Moneyball ends. We go through the 20-game winning streak, which still stands as a league record. And then it's kind of a quiet moment where we lose the World Series and we transition out of Act 2. And you're like, well, what's left? Like, is he just going to keep chasing that ring forever? And we end on an innocuous sort of nothing scene of just Brad Pitt's face and his daughter singing a song that we already heard her sing once in the movie. You know, (laughs) but it's strangely affecting because we're with him. I don't know.
0: That signified his decision to stay in Oakland.
1: And let's break down that decision. Billy Bean was a professional player who was recruited, turned down his scholarship for Stanford, went into the major leagues right out of high school, and got his money. He was just never able to—he got his signing money, I guess, but was never able to translate that into a longstanding professional baseball career. He just sort of—what did they call it? It wasn't a burnout. It was just like a non-starter Mm -hmm. Some people just never live up to the potential that these scouts saw in him. I think that was a microcosmic example of this idea that that was the old system of all the boxes being checked. He looks to be a huge marquee player, and it's not about the celebrity. It's about wins and losses and getting on base. And so he did take the money and choose not to go on his full ride scholarship, washed out. But he got the money and got his playtime, and then his insight about the game, his gleaning of the importance of someone like the character of Peter Brand led him to change and shake up the way it's done. And so ultimately, when all that was going to pay off, playing by his rules and not going with what everyone says, which is listen to the scouts. We've been doing this for 100 years. We know what we're doing. He made his own determination and made his own decisions and was just about to reap the reward for it and then chose not to. To what end? Isn't the whole end to win? And I get it. He wanted to win in Oakland, but employing the same principle for it was Boston, correct?
0: Yep. The Red and Sox.
1: Thus, he could have done the same. He had no loyalty to the island of misfit toys that he recruited. He could have done the same and would have done the same for the Boston team and then would have been the highest paid general manager in the history of sports. I'm not sure how this was a validating decision to choose not to go for the money this time because it was all about money. It's Moneyball.
0: And that's what Jonah Hill's character is saying to him, that Billy Bean was saying to Peter Brand, it's not about the money. It's never been about the money. He regretted it, and he said he would never do it again. And then Peter Brand says to him, it's not about the money. It's about what the money says.
1: Exactly, and I agree with him.
0: But for Billy Bean, it wasn't even about what the money says. What that last scene in the car and the truck with the the CD player and the lanky song, I think it was kind of about his kid and not wanting to move away from her and wanting to win at the Coliseum. I think it kind of it was as simple as that.
1: It was called the Coliseum? I think so. I don't know, man. Boston did win the last game, what, a year or two later. He's such a loser, right. Dad. Just enjoy the show. And I don't think the good seats to the show are in Oakland.
0: You just can't accept that somebody would turn down a million and a half. And, and believe me, when he was considering it, when he's laying down in the field and Jonah Hill's watching him on the monitor... Yep. I was like, don't tell me this is leading to him turning it down. And then he did.
1: <laughs> and I think that makes this movie a tragedy. But at the same time, it just follows the story of Billy Bean, who is not necessarily the know-it-all, see-it-all hero. He lucked upon a thing that he was savvy enough to recognize could be important and could change the game. And I, think, I do think that that made for a more compelling and emotionally resounding film.
0: I think this makes it a serious movie. If they wanted to, they could have certainly structured it around the 20-game streak. Yes. They could have ended on game 20, and this could have been a fantasy.
1: Right. It could have gone out on Cheers, and it would have been a pretty standard baseball movie, and likely the one that would have justified our initial hesitation in plunking down money to see it. I think it compelled me emotionally enough so that I'm watching his face carefully. Don't care about the baseball anymore. I'm glad they got the thing that will put them in the record books and they will go down in history forever as having, even if the record is beaten. Coming out of Oakland when everybody doubted and trashed his little system, it's great for him. And at the end, I'm still watching his face. I'm still wanting to know what he's thinking, how he's feeling in light of the decisions he's made for himself. It's tough, man. I mean, as much as we spend in baseball stadiums, we also spend in living rooms with family and difficult, awkward family situations. Uh, as, As likable as Billy Bean is, and I think as effective and straightforward a manager or a general manager as he is, he doesn't seem to get along with people very well. He just seems downtrodden and still, in spite of that, following his gut and his heart.
0: I forget. Do you like Brad Pitt? Like, do you think he's a good actor?
1: He's a little bit like Leonardo DiCaprio in that his best movies happen around him or in spite of him. And again, I think he's a likable and serviceable actor. He's riding the high of his charisma at the moment. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he's kind of got a Keanu thing going. He's just good guy Brad Pitt, I think laid back and and chill and that's exactly who billy bean is but this is the one where i think he leads the charge and i think he's charismatic and we're in his face a lot of the time and our ability to like peter brand or his wife or his daughter i think comes through in the way he regards them with a cautious approach to life i feel like he is the, the center point of this movie for sure
0: Oh, for sure. But Billy Bean, Brad Pitt as Billy Bean, is so singular in his focus. He does seem out of place in, in the non-baseball settings. He has a really sweet moment with his daughter at the guitar store, but it's like he feels uncomfortable in his body and his space in that scene. I was also questioning like, the location, the set that may have been his home with the dishes on the wall. I was like, does he live with his mom? And, like, why was he wearing a wedding ring when clearly he had no relationship outside of baseball? Like, I was very confused about Billy Bean as a person.
1: I don't think he moves through his life as a whirlwind. I think he is filled with a lot of regret, and he's haunted by his past and his present, possibly his future. Um, The wedding ring is telling. His desire to spend time with his kid and buy her a guitar and just the way he reacts when she self-consciously sings the song, but kind of puts herself out there for his judgment. You know, Brad Pitt has never been the superhero to me. He's got that swagger, but I think he's best as the haunted Louis a la Interview with the Vampire or Moneyball where he... Astra where he's a little bit more reactive. He's got kind of soulful, mournful eyes and a look about him in this movie and like super Brad Pitt hair.
0: It it was just a... His hair is totally his superpower. But it was curious to me that you were that you were spending so much time on his face because it doesn't seem to be his most finely tuned aspect of his instrument.
1: Uh, are we talking about his body or body. something? Body, yeah. I mean, I guess. Look, again, I, I'm not saying that Brad Pitt is the effervescent actor of this movie, but I think that he, ha- he has a sort of reserved presence. And, you know, when he's toe-to-toe with the scout... I think he can be commanding and authoritative. And, you know, when he fires him and stuff and how he's no nonsense about letting people go. I think he has that quiet confidence that comes with age and experience. I just think that he is better at the hustle and the game than he is at actual emotions and vulnerability. We get both because we see him super effectively managing a team that just doesn't have the money to have the marquee players. He turns it around and he treats them decently. You know, and he's very direct with Jonah Hill's Peter Brand character. But when it comes to his own stuff, he's very reserved and doesn't let anyone in. Those things have to be coaxed out of him. You know, you can see it when he has the uh, when he gets the compliment, when his ex-wife calls him and says, we're just really we were watching and we're just really proud of you. Mm-hmm. He's like, thank you. OK, goodbye.
0: <laughs> yeah, basically hangs up on his daughter. He has to leave the moment that he says, Peter, you're a good egg. Like right. he's like right out the door and, you know, he's awkward about it.
1: And even my favorite scene In this movie, when Peter Brand does the metaphor of Jeremy Brown deciding to steal second base. Right. And this comes not at his lowest point, but at one of his highest points after the 20 game streak where he starts to despair again. And the Jeremy Brown thing is so heartbreaking, makes me want to cry. And he watches it and he says, you know, instead of an emotional response or him breaking down and trying to have a moment, he's like, yeah, you're a good egg, Pete. I'm out of here. How can you not be romantic about baseball? See ya. Uh, Peace. Right. Because you can see all the trauma and all the pain in poor Jeremy's highly pixelated face. We're watching Brad Pitt for just the slightest tremor, the slightest break in the facade, and it's all inside. He's Jeremy Brown scrambling on the ground for, you know, for first base when he's already earned home plate.
0: And that was all Jonah Hill's comic timing. Coming into play.
1: He's great. This is Jonah Hill emerging from the stupid Seth Rogen style comedies and the super bad and all that stuff to really take a role as a serious actor. His delivery is spot on, I think. And this paved the way for more serious roles. He was in the Wolf of Wall Street. Mm -hmm. And for Mm -hmm. Jonah Hill to be a serious actor seems strange. But this is exactly the kind of stepping stone toward making that work.
0: He almost makes the transition within the film itself. He starts as Jonah Hill 1.0 and he, and he finishes his movie as Jonah Hill 2.0. And it's just so great. He's like, it's a metaphor. Really. <laughs> also for Chris Pratt. I mean, um, wasn't this Chris Pratt's kind of transition from the fat funny guy to leading man?
1: It was. He was kind of a chunkster, and he was lobbying hard for this role. And they were like, eh, you're a little bit fat. And he's like, I'll show you fat, and lost 30 of the 40 pounds he had recently gained. Submitted tapes and stuff. So this is Crisp Rat trying to crisp up a little bit.
0: (laughs) Which was so weird because in the cover art or one of the um, key arts for Moneyball, I thought it was Matt Damon. And then throughout watching the watching of Moneyball, I was like, so when does Matt Damon show up?
1: <laughs> it's the baseball hat for sure.
0: It's the baseball hat, but there's something that's very similar in their eyes. Uh, I liked seeing Chris Pratt's very vulnerable, uh, Scott Hedberg. I was... Ha- I was very happy for his win. He, like, you see just how despondent he is flipping through the channels and his worried wife is looking at him from the other room and he's got the cutest little daughter in jammies ever. And you just, you're just so happy for him when he hits that homer. If that was real, then that's the fantasy.
1: I, I'm not sure. But not unlike the Billy Bean character in that he's literally in the big leagues all of a sudden and uh, a little bit out of his depth and, and was forced to make it happen. Or, you know, that was his one shot.
0: And he even gives Philip Seymour Hoffman's Art How his arc, because art is resisting him, resisting him, resisting him. Scott Haderberg is just the example of what Brad Pitt's Billy Bean is trying to do to art. He is st- starting to believe that maybe this thing can work, and maybe there's some magic that's happening between his coaching and, and Billy Bean's strategy, and he puts him in, and he hits a homer. And at that moment, Art gets his record, he gets his arc, just the, the screenplay works so tight story-wise.
1: And that's kind of only where Art exists is on the screenplay, because once he's done grumbling about Hatterberg and once uh, he gets rid of uh, the other guys who, so he can't play them on first anymore, we don't really see Art how anymore. He's happy to be winning and he's t- doing his thing.
0: We also don't really get closure for the the scouts there's one clip where some commentator is saying, you know, baseball's never going to change. But other than that, we don't get any resolution for the lead scout guy who with whom Brad Pitt throws down the Grady Fusen character.
1: Right. And I think that was one of the sources of contention in the script because it never went down like that. Most, if not all of the scouts in that room were actual scouts. You know, why train an actor to be a scout when you have the real scouts who don't necessarily need to look like marquee actors. They can be the guys who have been doing it for a 100 years.
0: And they can talk the talk impeccably.
1: Right. So rather than train an actor to do that from the script, they just had real scouts focus their attention on the Oakland A's circa, you know, 2001 or whatever.
0: Wait, so they gave a non-trained actor the best joke of the script? Who's Fabio?
1: Who is Fabio. Oh, yeah, that was like, awesome. <laughs> But, you know, those are professional, smart guys. Hopefully they can pull off the one he probably didn't even really actually know. I mean, (laughs) nowadays, everybody also would be asking that. Who in 2021 knows who Fabio is?
0: But it's curious for me to hear that that was a point of contention that and that's not really how it went down with the scouts in real life, because that scene, though, very dynamic. Right. This is Billy Bean literally running up against the establishment. A really important scene in Billy Beans' evolution, but kind of, when you look at it from a story perspective, unnecessary. He didn't need to turn those guys around. In fact, he didn't even want to turn those guys around. He went in there to make some kind of show, it seemed to me, for dramatic purposes. What was Billy Beans' goal in going in with Peter Brand the second time we see the scout discussion room?
1: Well, if he's paying the scouts to do a thing, might as well get him on board with the new program. The new program is not up for debate. And Peter Brand deserves a spot at the table, and that was the point, to let these guys know loud and clear, this is who this guy is, and we're going to be listening to him, and this is the way it is. And of course, they didn't like that, and he was trying to be you know, diplomatic about it, but ultimately, they're on his payroll. And if they don't shape up, then they can shove it, or they can find another team. But, uh, you know, need a little bit of drama where you can sell it because the bedrock principle of this movie, the the analytics, can be a little bit dry. So I I can forgive them a little bit of drama because we don't have the breaking down, I was wrong, hugging, crying Jack at the end by Art Howe or by the scouts. Because baseball is a business and it's a job that you go to with a very sad little office. For people that captain a team that potentially millions of fans love and buy their merch for and stuff. He had like his little crappy no window office with his little coffee cup and it's pretty rough.
0: But you hear about all the perks that celebrities get for their green rooms and stuff. But every green room I've ever been to is like the saddest, dingiest, hole in the walliest place ever.
1: Yeah, you know, with like ashy, uh, ashy veggie trays, like white carrots.
0: Um, but I guess that's not the point, right? All the magic's out there on the field. And I felt for the old scout guys and wished really that we had seen more of uh, the Ron Washington character. The one who goes to recruit Scott Hatterberg. Right. <laughs> he's like, he's like, it's just for space. How hard is it? And he was like, what does he say? He says,
1: it's very hard. <laughs>
0: Uh... That one I don't
1: have verbatim, but it makes Ron Washington's character, Brent Jennings, super memorable. Yeah. You would think that if there was anything left on the cutting room floor for not being dynamic enough, it would be him. But his deadpan delivery is key. And as the, a facilitator for Billy Bean's plan, I think he was great.
0: He gets his five second sunscreen. I thought that Billy Bean's exchange with the David Justice character, the one that they're paying $7 million for. Yep. And then he just like cuts off his legs by saying, No, we're actually paying you three and a half. Like that little moment was good. These day play parts or these supporting roles, they actually get some really nice moments.
1: I mean, it's devastating when he's <laughs> like, You're 37 or something, and you're just, you're done. Like, you're washed. Well, he's an old man. He's got no legs. And I was like, "Eee." <laughs> Because the David Justice character looks awfully yoked and awfully, (laughs) he just can't stand up to Chris Pratt and the rest of the MLB. But I think the okay. strength of this movie was its ability to make it interesting, not about swinging the bat and hitting the ball, because I think we can all relate and find some inspiration in that 20 game streak. And we didn't need to see who was at batter, who the, what the key plays were to achieve that 20. The 20 came out of Peter Brand's uh, hard nose analytics and Billy Bean's willingness to risk everything that had come before because he had nothing to lose. I think that was really good. It's worth noting that Peter Brand doesn't exist. Uh, He is a fictional character that is an amalgamation of some other characters. And the other, the guy whom he most closely represents also doesn't approve of his portrayal in the movie. Uh, Just like Art Howe. What I guess what I'm trying to say is that if it were the faithfully recreated or represented baseball movie of all time, you're going to disappoint or alienate some people. Do you think that anybody cared about Billy Bean and his daughter at the end? You know, where she's not even present, she's singing on the CD. Do you think the diehard baseball fans had already checked out and walked out of the theater by then?
0: No, I think the the diehard baseball fans were really pleased with this film. And I think the diehard baseball fan filmmakers wish they had made this film. And I think that this film works on many levels. Self-proclaimed non-sports fans, you and I are gushing about this film
1: i like this movie because i think this movie comes in from an unexpected direction and justifying the convention i think it's enough to make it noteworthy and that's what i'm saying so to forgive the changes this Linka song that we're talking about that was like seven years after the events of this movie and they were like no she sang it as part of her audition and they la- that's the song she happened to sing and they're like oh that kind of fits did you know i like this one Dodger Stadium was used for every baseball stadium they went to. They just didn't have the budget to go to, like, 11 stadiums. So they just continually redressed Dodger Stadium.
0: Wow. Well, great weather in L.A.
1: And maybe the people in Chicago would be like, what the hell? Or in Oakland who know what their stadium looks like. I don't care. They did a good job because it's a Hollywood movie that sold a baseball concept to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're literally walking around the Red Sox Stadium what's it called um
1: adventure time plaza
0: saying like this is a baseball field when it's just dodgers stadium yep anyway so you're not denying that you're gushing <laughs> You are you are not denying? And what's your rating?
1: No, I like this movie a lot. I think it's snappy dialogue for something that would otherwise be totally uninteresting. Is it a must-see? I don't know. But it's certainly an all-right movie. Does it have to be the movie that everyone loves? No, but I enjoy watching Moneyball maybe twice as much as I expected I ever would. A nice, solid, all-right movie. It's among my favorite sports movies, if that helps.
0: I don't know that that means that much coming from you, but I would have to agree. Moneyball works structurally, story-wise, dramatically, and it's a surprise and delight to me that it transcends baseball and does some really interesting stuff in the human and dramatic realms. I like Billy Bean's character. Very distracted by his mouth. Very <laughs> distracted by all the... Th- every In every scene that he entered, I'm like, what prop is there for him to throw? Like... <laughs> that gatorade cooler just there for him to throw but despite all of his little ticks and his and the business that he might be leaning on as a bit of a crutch in the billy bean character i think brad pitt does a great job not only as an actor but as a producer for moneyball so i give it a good and there you have it And all right from wes a good from iris that's our review on moneyball we hope that you enjoyed our discussion. If you have a Brad Pitt movie that you would like for us to review, please let us know, 818 835 0473, or whatever movies at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Electric Ast- Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Well Being, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert.
1: And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound.
0: Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks.
1: Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today.